imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock. About music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's the real world, I choose to go my life to. That's okay. It means something, it means something. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we're all up in your face. It's time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. Uh, hey, this is, this is a great episode. Uh, I got Billy Gould. Back on uh, from the mighty faith no more. Uh, also, many other things. Talking book, Mel Colt, uh, <laughs> played in Men of Porn. Some of that is a, a less of interest to some folks than others, but I think it's all very interesting. I think we're going to really get the faith no more stuff too. I feel like I left a lot of stuff on the table last time, and I certainly know other people thought that way because they sent me emails. But of course, that episode was 149. Uh, episode 149 of Protonic Reversal, April of 2020. Wow, okay. And then this here, this here, this here episode. Episode 266 of Protonic Reversal. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, let me just do this spiel I started doing. Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. Episode 266. This is your first time listening to the show. All the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Okay, so let's get to it. And here we are now with Mr. Billy Gould. Billy, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's been a hell of a time (laughs) since last we talked. I mean, last we talked was at the dawn of the of the COVID era, and there was still that's true. Faith no more stuff happening. You just. put out a pretty rad release and it seems like a hundred thousand years ago to me i don't know if it does for you as well that's right that was yeah what a year and a half ago almost yeah two yeah a year and a half something like that i don't know it's all just 70 years ago last the before week. and <laughs> the after yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh but i mean the whole like faith no more is a touring outfit it's more than just a band though you have people who's like livelihood depends on 
uh, everything around it. Like it, it, it's <laughs> people talk about job creators. Faith and War is a job creator. You know, it's it's true. <laughs> I mean, our crew that was that's that's rough uh, because you know they booked up the year too. You know, for our, our touring that was going to happen, and and it's still, you know, we don't know. I mean, we're we're supposed to play next month. Yeah, but you know, I mean, San Francisco was doing pretty well, and all of a sudden, two weeks ago, everything just you know shit the bed so who knows anything can happen anything's possible and, and it almost seems to change state by state and like week by week too where it's like oh yeah. it's fine and- I, I mean you can kind of tell that, that that what they thought was how it worked isn't really how it works yeah. uh they're still getting a handle on it because there's a lot of things that define defied what they thought would you know would be the way to go and and, and i mean like san francisco was, was, was a highly vaccinated city yeah. or israel that's a great example right I mean, it's it's, it's it's still going up. Uh, it's just, and people are getting sick. People vaccinated, people are getting sick. I mean, I know vaccinated people got really sick. Yeah. No, not in the hospital, ventilator sick, but sick, like down for a week. That's that's kind of sobering. That's something yeah. you know, you got to take seriously. Yeah, and it would be nice if everybody did. Uh, but <laughs> but that's a separate that's a separate show and a separate conversation. Uh, it's got to be wild that you and you spend all this work like kind of ramping up to do like this huge huge amount of touring and then it's just sort of mm-hmm. like oh everything's up in the air and oh is it happening no oh, i don't know and then by the time you're actually doing it again it's like oh time to relearn all those songs and redo all those things i mean did, did it just muscle memory back or again we we're talking yeah, about- no i mean i'm 58 years old it's not just <laughs> muscle memory <laughs> you gotta fucking work man yeah yeah i mean the first, I mean, so, you know, we had these shows and, you know, you get the, the biggest thing is psychological. It's like, am I going to be ready to do this? And you hadn't done yeah. shows in like four years, five years. And uh, it's like, we gotta, we're going to have to step it up and, because our shows are just physical. That's just how we are. That's yeah. how we do it. I, I can't play sitting still. I can't play the, I actually can't play the fucking songs, you know, right. that way. It just doesn't work. So, uh, you know, when I think I postponed in the beginning, there's this weird kind of relief you get it because, you know, we kind of had to ramp up but at the same time it doesn't really go away it just gets pushed back for a year yeah so you're like you're still in your back of your head that you got to have your shit together for this thing that you have to do yeah um when when everything kind of mellowed out when the vaccine came and it seemed like we had a little bit of you know we could relax a little they could start doing concerts again we went and started playing and that would, you know I, I knew the first week and two rehearsals was going to be rough and, and they were and i didn't yeah. beat myself up because i knew and um, that's why you now practice. It's pretty, good. it's pretty good. It didn't take long to come back. It, yeah, it took man. about three weeks, uh, and now I'm fucking ready to go. It's great. That's awesome. No fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I mean, do you, do you ever have the thing where you're you're almost indicting your younger self for like, why did why did it why is it that why was that the thing that I decided to do? Or well, they say do you to follow the thing that you love and let it kill you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm living proof of that. <laughs> well, and it's you know, it, it, it always seems like and we went into this a bit last time that you know Faith No More was always a very um, you know complex relationship, like delicate alchemy. I think we said sure. something about alchemy. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably that's in the best of times, right? That's without a global pandemic going on and whatever concerns people have with you know people in their life or uh, you know family members or friends and so on Absolutely. and so on. Uh, I mean, do you feel like that that was just a notable additional amount of stressors to it, or was it just kind of like a unifying Some, thing? 
some things got better actually uh because i mean you know this is all really challenging to everyone i mean we kind of need each other you know to pull together a little bit to get through this thing uh i mean everybody's different you know i mean there's a lot of people i know people that you know the pandemic hasn't affected them in one way at all (laughs) they're living their life they're doing whatever the hell they want to do you know and there's other people that really has gotten to them in a deep deep primal level you know and it really freaks them out and you know like there's five of us and we're all really different and it's all hitting us terribly differently too but i think the one thing about it is i mean all of us need to kind of like it's 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 going to be a challenge for all of us in a certain sense and i think that we all need to kind of you know focus and it's good it's it, it that's a positive effect yeah i would say well it's unifying it, yeah, I mean, when things are good, you know, maybe one guy doesn't need to focus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's me. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, right now, I think we're all very aware of what's coming and, and also how we're going to do this yeah. and um, what it's going to require. And uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a little harder work than usual. It's going to be a little less tough to get around, and, and it's going to be different. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be coming backstage, uh, but but. Um, you know, it's got to be fucking good, too. It's got to be yeah. there. We have to be ready to do it the right way. So I, I, there's something good about about all just sitting down and focusing. That's when you do good work. Well, it occurred to me that, and and I believe we talked about this last time, that you know, the idea of wanting to do this kind of while you still could in the way that you wanted to do it, meaning right. yeah. meaning that it's not like you, <laughs> yeah, you could do Jasbo renditions of it, but would that be Faith No More? No. I mean, like, that's, that's a different thing. And could it be interesting? Sure. Okay. But so, <laughs> the reality is we might have to do Jasbo editions someday. Right. <laughs> we might not have the choice. <laughs> well, the but right now we do. Yeah. And, and we can. I mean, the physicality alone of, of it just being like, you know, you're up there grinding it out, like, you know, sweating through it and, and just it really is like deep. that. It yeah. is that way. And I mean, you know, if, if you would have told me, yeah, in two years, you know, you're going to play these shows that you're scheduled for. They're actually going to be two years from now. Yeah. I might have even wondered, am I going to be able to do it in two years? Yeah. Because the difference between 57 and 59 years old is a big fucking difference. You know, it really is. Uh, fortunately, it hasn't really struck me as much of a difference in, in real terms, but I didn't know that. Right. Exactly. And how would you, right? <laughs> how would you know? <laughs> it's like, good point. It's like, we're, we're sitting here being like, Hey, when was you last on the show? Oh, it was like, was it like a year and a half ago? Was it like last week? Was it like 10 years ago? What was it exactly? Like time is a meaningless construct to a certain degree. But then if you have something looming where you're like, Oh, I got to remember about that. Like, you know, I can't sit around and eat pork rinds all day and, <laughs> I mean, know, I got to keep it up. You know, it's it's really true. I mean, time just goes it goes fast. I mean, yeah. anyway, um, a year and a half. I mean, is, is, it was the longest fucking day of the of, of the world and uh, the shortest because it was Groundhog Day every, every day. day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Groundhog's Day again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. We're all stuck in that movie, <laughs> except except for without without the entertainment value of Bill Murray. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> So the, and we, we may have actually talked about this last time, but I don't remember. But how do how do you yeah. go how do you go about picking the like what songs you're gonna do? Because you want you want to honor, you know, what you think oh. are the best songs, right? But like, you also want to like you know make sure you play the hits too. You don't want any eras to get like the short shrift. 
Is this a lot to handle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also has to do with uh, what do you want to do? What did we do last time? What do we want to do now? Where are we? Like, I think that, you know, we all kind of go through periods where we all kind of agree on something and we're in a different headspace than I'm in a different headspace than I was five years ago. There's no no doubt about it. Yeah. And, and you know, my headspace now is I want to just do the hard stuff. I want to, I want to, I mean, it's a stupid thing for me to do rationally, <laughs> but it really what's getting me off is kind of like when I'm like in rehearsals are the really short, fast, harder songs. Yeah. I, I just want to do that. I just want to, you know, I don't want to wear a colored suit and walk out on stage. Right. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to fucking put on my 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 t-shirt. I want to go out and I want to play hard songs. And go to war, man. That's where I'm coming. That's where I'm coming from. I'm totally down with that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So did you have? Did you like what does that? What does that process look like? I mean, do you go through and like listen back to the records uh, to kind of no. bring that up? No. Okay. Oh no. I mean, <laughs> we look at each other. We walk in. We look at each other. You know, it's like how does that go again? Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> it comes back pretty fast. I mean, right. you know, when you do, when you, you know this already, when you play something live, like you have to have your shit together in a way that's more than just practicing in your bedroom. Like yeah. you, you got to get it right. And when you, when you get internalized something like, and that kind of a focus, you don't, it never really leaves you after that. It gets kind of imprinted. It's there. So everything comes back pretty easily. I would say. Yeah. I, I liken it to, you know, you'd be sitting there being like wondering, Hey, what happens next here? Huh? And then you're like, your your hands automatically go to the place that oh, that's oh, right. That apparently is what happens there. Right on, you know. And, and that's we did that. We did that because we split up, you know, in like '98. Yeah. We got back together in like 2009, so 11 years. And I I did play, you know, obviously a thing. Uh, and we just showed up to rehearsal. Like I didn't even listen to the music, and um, it was like just my hands just did all the work. Right. It was all of ours did, and there was. Actually, what's really interesting is the first show we did, because it was so out of my headspace to even be doing that anymore, um, there were some times where we played songs and I don't even really remember being there when the songs got played. I oh, mean, wow. I, I could see a video of myself doing it, I'm definitely but I, don't, there, yeah. I actually do not remember <laughs> having done it. It was just, wow. there's blank spots there. It was just completely autopilot. Really weird. Really, really fucking weird. That's like that. The reptile brain is uh, is taking completely. over completely, <laughs> absolutely. That's that's wild. <laughs> I, and then also, you know, you're you're in a much different place in life than you were in a lot of times when some of these songs were recorded. You know, you're you're a guy. You got a, a family. You got a life, right. et cetera, et cetera. Right, and there, and right. There, there's this whole generation of of people that have come up listening to the records. Right. That they don't know. They didn't have the experience of seeing it on MTV. They didn't have the experience of no. seeing the videos or whatever. And so they're coming at it from a very, very different place. And you're not exactly the same dude that you were then, but you are like another version of that dude. And does that ever give yeah. you like a some you know time travel kind of <laughs> kind of aspects of things? You know, uh we were very lucky in that very early on, I think all of us kind of all really decided that we didn't really understand what it was that people liked about us. I think yeah. there were a lot of different people into this band and we we really didn't try to figure out what was making those people tick. Like we didn't run our band off of what was connecting with people. Focus group. So <laughs> we, we kind of just did what we did, you know, and, and 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 we were just very happy that somehow it got over the net. And and I think that's how we look at it now. I I don't really they're no different out there now than they were twenty years ago to me. They're just like I I you know 
I obviously we look older, right? I mean, there's some <laughs> kids that are 15 years old that are looking at a bunch of old dudes. That's yeah. that's for sure, <laughs> no doubt. But um, you know what it is that they're getting out of us. I have no fucking clue. Well, and it all yeah, you bring up a good point though. Faith and More had a very always had a very unique coalition, like a coalition of different fans that you know they may not be able to agree on a single other band, but they liked you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he was a really cool dude. Uh, this guy, Dick, who's in Meshuggah. He's, he's oh, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know him, but the night I met him, he was in a bar across the street from our house. And I went over there and he was there. He's really cool. Uh, but first of all, I was surprised that he liked my band. But the second thing that surprised me was his favorite song was RV off Angel Dust. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, he wasn't like doing any metal stuff at all. He was, it's like, you just never know. And, and, and you know, yeah. everybody's complex. Everybody's a complex person. There's no, if you're, if you see a comic book character, you know, a guy who's a comic book character, like, like, like a Lemmy kind of guy, you know, there's a hundred percent chance that they're not really like that in private. You know, there's more complexity to, to, to those people. I think yeah, that it's very important. easy to project. You have a persona that's very simple to digest, but most people are complex. Well, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's that kind of assumption that leads to you getting slap based demo tapes, you know, of like, oh, I bet you're going to like oh. this. And it's like, oh. yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, hey, it's great for business. <laughs> right. It's fucking great. It works. <laughs> but I mean, you got to live it, you know? Yeah. You yeah. got to create some creative room for yourself. Can you hear that? I, I can't. It sounds like are you are you experiencing a red alert? It's my phone. I'm, oh, okay. I'm deaf. So there, there we go. <laughs> Jesus, Billy. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you were under. I thought like uh, you know the bombs were dropping or something for a minute. It, it really <laughs> disturbs people. You know, I'm shopping or something, yeah. and that goes off. People just freak out. But you know, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't hear it. So oh, okay. Well, there you go. Hey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people come from all different backgrounds, and there there is that assumption yeah. that like oh whatever the person plays that's like only thing that they listen to as exactly. well uh which is that something that obviously you've turned on its head with uh, all the cool arrow stuff you know that like you know what's the correlating factor there well it's good you know i mean i, I always thought <laughs> quality of life is better when you have more options right yeah like having having more creative space it, it makes better life for you and you know like i get a little bummed out i mean well hey the United States is a big industry, right? It's a big fucking country. You know, music uh, companies have to move a lot of product, you know. So you want to, you know, if I go to the NAMM show, for example, and everybody's playing and, the, you know, these people, like, they, 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 they're very good at what they do. Yeah. But they, 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 there's this one-dimensional thing about, like, how fast they can solo or something to demo a piece of gear, you know. And the industry <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> focuses on that, you know, and not, like, well, tell me about this person. What's so interesting about this guy that makes him so happy about playing music and what other interesting things are there about him, you know, that like actually make me appreciate what he does even better, you know, not how fucking fast he can play. It's like looking for a husband, you know, so you, you go to find a bunch of porno actors, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing, you know, well, <laughs> quality of life is different. That's it. That's it. It's like uh, someone can type 90 words per minute. doesn't mean they can write a book, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, people got to eat. I get it. But, uh, 
I mean, I was really lucky. You know, Faith and Moore had a little bit of flexibility where I could do a label that didn't make money, but I could do try to do interesting things with it. So yeah. I got I, the time it took to do and all the work didn't really bother me that much because I was into it. Um, but I had the flexibility. I, I actually was lucky that I could do something like that. And I think that I had to do something like that. I mean, yeah, I think that it makes like better for everybody. Did, did Do you think it kept you grounded in a way? Or was that? Do you think it kept you grounded in a certain way that maybe a certain way because it wasn't very sexy work a lot of it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, it also kept me traveling. It kept me. Yeah. Uh, it kept me like with a thing to try. To, it kept me wanting to learn things. Uh, and way way happier. I, I'd I'd be a different person now if I hadn't done the label and I hadn't, you know, produced a band in, in, in Moscow in the nineties or like, you know, or Slovenia or, or Chile or wherever I go, you know, and, and you know, being there and producing and, and, and living there uh, and really getting to see how things are. It's, 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 it's been amazing. And that's how, and that's how you found out about that. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but that, the liquor, the, 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 the right. The, the Rakia. Yes. Rakia. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. Which I learned Absolutely. from uh, friends of the show, undetermined when they when they talked to you that like I was did like, you, oh. did they turn you onto it? Yeah, well, I I had never I never even heard of it before. So I mean, I think like maybe many of the fans, but yeah, can can like was that something that you I just found in in your in your adventures where you're like, oh wow, this is how do people Absolutely. know about this? Absolutely. So I I mean, we got into you know we got into like uh, Eastern Europe right when the wall fell because right. we were there yeah. in Germany when it happened and all that. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. So, so um, you know, we got into Slovenia, and that's when the first Yugoslavian war was happening, and there were soldiers coming from all the sides because it was all one country two years earlier, and you know, they all wanted to see Fate the More play, so they came from wherever, you know, mm-hmm. off the fit front, and they came, you know, and we had a great time, great show, and and I kind of made a couple of days off, rented a, a little mini bike, and we drove around in the country, and it kind of like made me want to see more, and. I came in, got into Serbia and Macedonia and made a couple road trips. And I just kept coming back because it was like this, you know, and there's great bands, great gigs, great places to play uh, and, and underground gigs, like yeah, in yeah. small villages, right? Where you could stay at somebody's house and play like a really small club. Great, great, great times. Um, but everybody makes this rakia and, and, you know, if you're staying at somebody's house, they're going to give you the rakia that their grandfather made. That's this amazing stuff. And yeah, I just really, I I, ha, I learned it in this setting, you know, of like some of these personal stuff, and and um, I really associated these amazing times I had with with drinking this thing. And um, you know, when I got home, I just wanted to fucking find it. I just wanted to get it. I wanted it personally for me. And you know, it was only a couple of years ago that I just decided like I should just try to get a real one because I can't find one here that that gives me that scratches that itch and I'm going to bring yeah. one here to turn people on to what I got turned on to and um yeah so that's that's kind of what I'm doing and I'm really I'm really into that um but well there's something I was going to say but never mind that's it, basically the story so it's fermented fruit right it's like it's like a fruit based yes yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a lot of reasons I can go off on why this this shit is amazing, yeah. uh, and why Americans want to know about it. But one is because it comes from fruit, and right. and generally it's 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 a fruit brandy. But they have a way they make it there. It's really rakia. I, I don't call it brandy. It's rakia. Yeah. And the thing about most booze, well, it gets distilled, and if it's a brown spirit, it only tastes good through the barrel. 
takes four years before it doesn't taste like shit, you know? <laughs> if, it's, if it's a vodka, you don't want it to really taste like anything. You want it to be clean. And, and rakia, like the plums, our stuff is plums. I mean, you're actually tasting the garden. You're tasting the, the farm, the fruit, you know? You, you, if you make it right, you don't get in the way of the fruit. You actually capture the fruit. It, it's like the guys who make it, it's like um, if you have a really cool old SVT bass amp and a, and a, and a 1967 Precision, you know, you have the good microphones to capture that sound. And the fruit is the gear and the player. And and it's absolutely like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's something that it gives you that's a little deeper to me than than a bourbon or a or a scotch there's something in the fruit that's that's kind of like a soul to it well and just hearing you talk about it it's sort of like wow i want to try that that sounds awesome that sounds like totally it great. is awesome it is awesome i mean my my stuff and i not i know i sound like a salesman that's fine i don't give a shit um but the, the truth is it is made by hand in a way the yeah. real traditional way where you actually are doing they're doing it right so you might not you might not like it uh, but this is a really good representation of it, and if you do like it, this is a good one to try. Yeah, it, you know, you're in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's no. Shortage. So it's coming into Wisconsin. It's okay. it's coming like in the next month or two. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 stoked to check it out, man. Like it's like I said, just I'm not even like a big hard alcohol guy, but just ha- to hear yeah. like to hear you so hyped on it and like hear us described, it's like you know what? I bet I might like that. So. It's cool. You know, I tell you, if you find a Serbian person, if you have any, do you have any Serbian friends? Uh, I do. They're, I mean, Serbian Americans. Yeah. Should I, should I ask them about it? Okay. <laughs> do this. If okay. you ever get some, yeah. just have a little tasting and have it with them. Don't even tell them what it is. Watch what happens to them. Yeah. Is, is it something where they're going <laughs> to- It's gonna... crack, man. It's crack. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm telling you. And, and for good reason, because this is what they grew up on. And this is a real iteration of it. This is a, a faithful one. It's not the stuff built, made in a factory, you know, and sold cheap. This right. is like the real shit. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you- um? Uh, you know, for, for it, that just reminds me of uh, um, the Red Step. Uh, Tobias Nathaniel from Blackheart Procession. He moved over there. He uh, he really relocated to really? Belgrade. Yeah, I think you told me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We only have talked about this last time. Yeah, and so he's he's got and his band is all there. He's got a band full of Serbians and the dude from the Blackheart Procession. Awesome. And it's it's rad. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't sound like Blackheart Procession, so people are like, oh, what's this? It's different. But yeah, I mean, he's just totally. To a certain degree, fish out of water in that way, but he loves it. He absolutely loves it there. That's uh, cool. I probably did say that's that cool. last time because it's sort of like how many people I, do I know that do. First of all, that's kind of just a wild thing to do. Like, let's just uproot and go to a different country. And hey, I'm over here now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm always just interested mm-hmm. to see like what motivates people, and then like you know what's the what's the reaction for something like that. But uh, yeah, I wonder. I, I should I should talk to him about it. I'd be like, I'd be like, hey, Rakia, please. Speak you know on this that. this. Absolutely, tell them about it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Though I mean, I gotta say, you know, we're, we're geographically isolated out here. I mean, I know, like before I was touring, the person I was compared to the person after yeah. touring. I mean, I'm a, I was a different person, and yeah, you know, it, it, we're a little protected here, you know, from from yeah. from a, a lot of other things that happen in other places. But that doesn't mean it doesn't behoove us to kind of understand other people. I mean, just look what's happening in Afghanistan right now. I mean. We were, I mean, for 20 years, we spent a bunch of money on something that's been basically a mythical bubble, yeah. <laughs> this fake scenario that obviously didn't really exist. We were just 
pay, taxpayers were paying for something that, that, that it fell so fast. Um, you know, I, I don't think it surprises a lot of people. I don't, I, I don't think, I think it surprised Americans more than anybody. Yeah, I was going to say, it surprises you know? people here because they, they don't yes. realize that, like, hey, when you stop pumping billions of dollars into this, it falls apart almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, you know, it doesn't happen usually because people usually don't have billions of dollars to spend yeah. into things like that, right? And those same people will be like, oh, how are we going to pay for it for Medicare for all? It's like, uh, how about, like, you know, one twentieth of what you spend on this foreign incursion you never think about? <laughs> I mean, but and then there's this thing about, you know, it's kind of a lot of what was done out there and all this money spending is done and to, 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 to play for the team here. Like, right. They're, they're selling it in a way that they think people want to hear it here. Like we're, you know, we're, 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 we're educating girls, uh, young girls, which are, which, which are absolutely great things. Yeah, but absolutely. the fact yeah. is more money went into those things than actually to build the police force there to do things that actually stuck because a lot of that shit was a fucking scam yeah. to sell to us to keep the money flowing. Just I mean, extract that wealth, baby. <laughs> yep. That's, that's yep. the move. Yep. Anyway, the good, the good thing about getting out of here is, is, is we're all victim of the mindset of where we live, wherever yeah. we are. And, and, you know, it's good to be. Uh, none of it's really human. It's just giving us what we think that people think we want to hear. And and I don't know. I, I like friends that tell me the truth. I don't like yeah. friends that kiss my ass all the time. <laughs> and I think same with society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to know totally. where I stand. You know. I mean, do you find that? Uh, well, not not right now, obviously. But like you know, being someone that not only tours but like tours abroad, that you almost become like a de facto. American ambassador for all, all the goods and ills of the world or, or are people like more straightforward about like, all right, this is a dude that plays bass in a rock. I game. mean, if, <laughs> if you're talking about the, the, the case of Serbia, I, I do feel a bit of like an ambassador yeah. because I'm kind of, I'm kind of like a few Americans who's actually like talking about their culture and not making them look like a bunch of warmongers. For yeah, example. yeah. Right. Like totally. they have other things, you know, yeah. they, they have beautiful farms, beautiful nature. They're amazing people, you know, great level of education, you know, I mean, they, they appreciate that. So in that way I am an ambassador, but most of the time, you know, I kind of like to learn stuff. I kind of just want to, I want to, I want to see what I've been missing. That's yeah. really, I want to, I want to eat food that I haven't eaten before, you know, not a cook food that way. So I, I kind of shut up and like, just like to connect with people. Well, and there's something to be said for that, too, because, like, what's the first stereotype that people have of Americans? Oh, they're always talking. They're always trying to tell you, like, the way it should be, right? <laughs> so just just by nature of kind of subverting that by just, oh, I'm just going to, yeah, what do you guys have on? Oh, why do you like that? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, neat, interesting. Uh, so then, well, and, and you talked about, you know, your touring being a world broadening experience for you and just meeting yeah. different people and, and, and experiencing different cultures and, and things along those lines. I mean, did that, was that something that, like, how did you guys end up first start touring? Cause you, cause you started off, you, you so Bay area, uh, wait, are we LA right. first? Uh, no, San Francisco. San Francisco we first, always right. okay. San Francisco first. Yeah. Um, so we start, we, we, we got a record. I mean, San Francisco, we started getting a little scene going. We started yeah. doing shows like once a month. Uh, there's a club called Clubfoot. And we played there a lot. That's when things started getting interesting. And um, this woman, Ruth Schwartz, who, who did Maximum Rock and Roll, she right, decided yeah. to start this thing called Mordem Records. And we Mordem, were her first yeah. thing that came out. And she's like, I'll put this out, but you guys have to go out on tour. And we were like, right. oh, please, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, twist my arm. And yeah. <laughs> um, it was so funny because the day the tour started – we had these guys who were managing us. We didn't really know. We'd never really toured before. We didn't yeah. know how we were going to do it. And 
this guy just drives up to my house in this like four door pickup truck mm-hmm. with a camper shell on it and, yeah. and, and a trailer. And he's like, here you go. And it's like, this, this truck was like a 1966 Dodge. And like, <laughs> it just drove up and like, here's the keys. Like you're leaving yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> and we were in that thing for like three months. Um, great though great 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 it really hard touring like it got to a point where we were only making like you know we only had like two dollars a day to live on each yeah. and uh we weren't taking showers obviously or anything like that they're calling us bathe no more <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh you know it was great it was so much fun it was great were, were you, I mean, were you aware of like the, you know, Black Flag, DOA, like all the, all the bands that were kind of building totally. that touring circuit? Oh, I used to see all those bands. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they were big bands to me. Yeah. Like we were a way lower level than Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, this you is know, early on, right? coming yeah. to see them, you know? Yeah. Uh, did, but and, yeah, there was a DIY scene. So yeah, so if we toured, we first toured, you know, we played, you know, the place in Phoenix that we were all the bands played. Yeah. And there was a, a network where you could hit that circuit yeah. and. That yeah, that was real cool. That was great. What were some of the first band buds that you uh, that you made friends with, like on the road, that you kind of connected with? The first uh, fan letter we ever got was from Phil Rind of Sacred Reich. Really, that's awesome. <laughs> I went to Mordem and, and and Ruth was like, "You got some mail?" I'm like, "Oh my god, we got a fan letter!" I looked. It was, Hi, my name is Phil Rind. I'm in a band called Sacred Reich. Like. I am a big fan of your band, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I think awesome. I have that letter somewhere. I must have it. Anyway, I still talk to him about that, you know, because we're still friends. And uh, that was really cool. Yeah, back when people wrote letters to each other. I mean, you couldn't just send an Instagram DM or something, you know? <laughs> like, oh, no, I'll just yeah, handwritten them. letters. Totally. <laughs> that was it. Back in my day. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, and did you feel that there were... So around that time, this is this like eighty, what, like eighty six, somewhere around there, like eighty five, eighty seven, somewhere 80, around there. Eighty five. Eighty five. When we okay. did that record, yeah. What you were doing then? Did did you find that there was other uh, scenes that kind of popped up their own version of that, or did you kind of feel like you know, oh, we're like Martians arriving on the alien planet here? Every city was different. Some places, I mean, we did some show, some radio show in Houston where they put us up in hotel rooms and they walked us out like on a red carpet. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a screaming people, I guess, because we care a lot, got some local radio play there. And we, I mean, it was real commercial radio crowd. I mean, we were like, what the fuck? You know, and then the next day we're back in the van and, you know, playing for five people in Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't get used to <laughs> it, know, buddy. And, and and trying to figure out where we're gonna stay. I mean, right, it was right. really different each time. I mean, like we didn't know our music was also different. Like we weren't really a punk band, so we couldn't just like plug yeah. into that scene. You know, uh, we couldn't really plug it in, and we weren't college radio. College radio was starting at the time as bands like Soul Asylum, uh, REM, a little more American Americana based. We didn't fit into that at all either. So. We were kind of like a real square peg, but we did meet a lot of cool people that I wouldn't have ever expected. You know, like we played this place uh, in, in Jacksonville, uh, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and um, we just hooked up with the people there. We just got along with them. I think that they I don't think they would listen to our kind of music, but we had right. a great time. It was awesome. Yeah. Do, do you ever have the uh, – my friend – 
Hazoshi who plays in the band Helms Ali, if you're familiar. Uh, she has these things she call, she calls them prove it tours, like mm-hmm. prove prove how much you want to do this because these are the <laughs> the things yeah. that are the adverse situations you have to deal with. Did you ever have any prove it moments in those early days? Those early you mean tours? when it really mattered, like yeah. like you have to really care? Yeah, how much do you want this? Because <laughs> this is what you're dealing with. I mean, you already mentioned the the hustle of just you know, hey, three people came to the show. Maybe one of them will let us crash on their floor. You know that moment. Here's but... here, okay. Here's a show. Here's here's a story right here. There was a guy. Uh, we played in Mississippi actually. The one I was talking about. The next show was in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a twelve hour drive, and a guy from Mississippi said, "I got a buddy in uh, or in Athens." Uh, uh, call him up. You know, you could probably stay at his house because we were kind of networking and yeah, yeah. Drove. It was like six hour drive. We're about halfway there getting gas. And I'm just calling the club to see what time the load it is because I was the kind of guy with the little black book making the right. phone calls on the, the binder. Phone, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the binder. I had the binder. And uh, like, okay. And the guy's like, hey, you know, uh, college uh, spring break started yesterday. Uh, you might not want to come to the show. Um, they're not going to be anybody here. And we we're about, you know, six hours into a 12 hour drive. Where else are we going to go? Right. Yeah. Now we don't. And us. <laughs> uh, we, we kept driving. He's like, we're going to do it. Maybe something different's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, and we got there, played, set up. I called the guy up. He said he's going to come to the show. Um, one guy came. It was him. He was on the guest list. Um, he bought a beer at the bar. Mm-hmm. And. I remember we just did our set and we're doing the set and it was a shitty situation. And, um, Roddy was just started going off about like, he was just, he was like punch drunk or something. He's just going like, thank you all our fans out there. Um, and between every song, he was just like making these horrible big concert, like speeches right. to the fans. <laughs> and there was, a, I remember just breaking down going just on the stage, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just lost it. It was like the humiliation was complete, yeah. you know. And we got—I have the tour receipts from that gig. We got—we made two dollars that night. It came from the bar. We got half of the bar. So we got two bucks. Wow! It's almost like wow. Like really, you're just—that's—it's that's, like it's almost better to be given nothing at that point, just to be like. Hey, uh, it, it was, yeah, it was, but we did stay at the guy's house that night, so in that way, it was amazing and great. Right, right, right. It's almost like the—I uh, always say the minimum wage. Well, we'd like to pay you less, but we're not legally allowed to do so. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, so then, what? What's something people don't know about Chuck? Chuck's kind of like someone that, like, oh, you know, there's, there's the legend of good Chuck Mosley, right? Um, what do people know about him? Tell me what they know about him. I'll tell you what they don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's, he seemed to be a very, uh, intense character, like a, um, yeah. you know, for sure. Opinionated, but, but thoughtful in his way. Um, mm, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I met Chuck when I was about 14 years old, uh, and he was a keyboard player. I was in a band and he played keyboards. He, he was never a singer, never thought about being a singer. Oh, wow. And he was kind of like my big brother. He was a super, what I consider a sophisticated dude, <laughs> believe it or not. Very different than what he became later. He only wore shark skin suits. Uh, he had a little like public image button. He was very much, um, worked at this place, the New Art Theater, which is a very, an art house theater in LA. Very, he was very art, art focused. Interesting. Um, okay. And I, I, 
I totally looked up to that. He was the guy who turned me on to all this cool stuff, like this band Certain Ratio. He oh, turned yeah. me on to them. Oh, wow. Killing Joke. Uh, he turned me on to all stuff that wasn't because I was a kid. I was 16, 17, and I was into punk rock. I was, you know, the the the, the, the Orange County thing was starting to spring up, and you know, I just I liked some of the punk stuff before that, but I think I liked it better. But right. but you know, that was, I was still 16, 17 years old, and kids my age were going to these like shows to see adolescents and all this kind of crap. And um, Chuck was kind of like, you know, he was into things like Bush Tetras. He was into reading right. NME, and he kind of got me outside of just my you know my 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 peer group. And yeah. um, so I think a lot of people wouldn't realize that Chuck actually was a very eclectic guy, uh, yeah. much more than he liked to present himself to be. Yeah, I mean, he almost seems like. I mean, by the time someone like myself came came to know who he was, based on you know like what I was seeing on MTV or whatever, like in some you know, shitty small town in California, it was sort of like he mm-hmm. he sprung forth fully formed from the head of Zeus uh, to a certain degree, you know, like with, with like his personality intact. But that's fascinating. So he was. I mean, you're so he actually was a keyboardist first. He was a keyboardist, and he was he was just a different kind of guy. He was. Um, he really changed when he became singer of Faith No More. Um, oh, interesting. He really it was a big, his persona changed a lot. He became like the skater guy. It's... Where I became, I started feeling like his father. <laughs> you know, right, he became yeah, yeah. my adolescent son. But yeah. it didn't, it was a complete role reversal because I completely looked up to him like a big brother in the beginning. Yeah, that's wild. And I mean, it, yeah, and that part did seem like a big part of his identity too, right? And that did kind of coincide Absolutely. with sort of the the beginning of the mainstreamization of skating, I guess. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. not, not like yeah. causal cause and effect, yeah, but just like around, so. around, around so. the same, around the time that sort of, it became a little less of a niche thing. Maybe not as, as, yes, as it became yes, yes. That's a better way I mean, still, I think back in the, okay. So we're talking about the, we care a lot times skating was still kind of a, a rebel sport. Yeah. Oh, totally. It was, yeah. It was still very underground, but, but it was getting there. Definitely. You see MTV and there'd be some skateboarder on it or something yeah. like cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would right? be like, I'd be like, whoa, that looks dangerous, you know, which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edgy. <laughs> which I still feel that way. It's like the one thing people are like, you didn't skate? I'm like, hell no, I didn't skate. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, one of my favorite, this, this is like a needless digression, but there's that Werner Herzog uh, reacting to skate videos kind of clip that's up on YouTube. I heard about this. It's, it's so good. good. Huh? He gets it like immediately, immediately. It makes all these informed comments and you're like, this is awesome. I love it. Cause of course he would like that guy is someone that's like kind of looked at things from the outside and been very thoughtful about things for like just his entire creative career. You know, he's, I, I was just thinking about him like the other day on how he's moved to LA and he loves LA. Yeah. In some ways, like I never would have expected that, but the way he describes it, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, from coming from him, you know, it, absolutely. It, he's so he gets a lot of depth out of it. He yeah. does, and and he and he and he looks at it in its fullness too, and in a way, absolutely, absolutely. Like I love. Did the you mo- see the movie The Green Ant's Dream? When the Green Ant's Dream? Uh, oh, about no. the Aboriginal. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's one of the only ones I haven't seen from him. I, I, oh God, it's great! But I I, I did a kind of a major watch of his stuff recently, and and I love Fitzcarraldo. I think that's such, such a oh, I still movie. see it every year too. It's have, so great. Have you seen Burden of Dreams? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Great. Like it's almost like it, it, they're different, but like yeah, <laughs> just like some of the quotes that he just is just thro- yes. throwing right. down there, and that one is are just so like I'm like oh my God, like this is. This is like your own like heart of darkness kind of situation. 
but he knows it. He knows he, it's absurd the whole time. He has had a really dry humor, but he, the dude, he lives Heart of Darkness at Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? He did a thing on Trader Joe's, and it was a review, and it was completely hurt song. No, totally, totally. I mean, like, yeah, th- there's that one uh, a couple years ago, the one with the texting monks. And, oh, and he, he's uh he ah, it's fine but he like talks about elon musk he's talking elon musk and he's talking about oh we, we would know who want to go uh i don't even know who you know who we would get to go to mars and go, i'll go <laughs> it was like of course Herzog's gonna volunteer to go to mars why would i mean <laughs> why would you ever think it would be anything other than that it's it's amazing Really good. Oh man! Um, did anyway. you see my best fiend? Not to keep talking about Bernard Bernard Herzog, but did you see my oh, best yeah. fiend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, <laughs> come on, come on. What the a best! Cool, what a cool guy. Oh. <laughs> hey, Klaus Kinski. Like, what about that dude, oh, man? Oh my god! Oh what? my god! You know, he was. I was at the airport once, uh, flying to uh, San Francisco from LA, and he was in front of me in line at the airport. Really? I mean, he's a yeah, really he was a short dude. guy. He was yeah. really short. He had a fishing hat on. I couldn't see it was just some guy in front of me. And uh, there was some noise, and he looks around, and it was him, right. his face with yeah. this, like, and I was like, oh, my God, the dude's standing right in front of me, this little, like, troll of Klaus yeah. Kinski. Like, <laughs> it was so insane. He was just as insane and twisted, like, in, in a normal environment. Yeah, he is. He, he, he seems like he is. He seems like he always is in a horror movie reacting to something or as a turning into a primate at the same time. And oh my God. and the fact that that guy was like considered a sex symbol for a while is like wow, there's hope for everybody. You know, that's that era. You know, he's kind of this antihero, like like yeah. the El Duce antihero. You know, right. that like he's out of time now. But like, I don't think like like what's his name? You know, Klaus Kinsey's book would would go over so well. These no, days. I, th- I think right, uh, not so much. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you there and say that probably wouldn't go over so hot. Yeah. No, and there's this grudging respect that they got back in the eighties, you know, yeah. or nineties in a way. <laughs> You're like that guy's right? a certain kind of twisted Yeah. Not not necessarily the nicest person, maybe even a bit of a prick, but it's like still people like, All right, respect. Respect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh so he's did... doing it, he's owning it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think we talked the last time about uh, and I don't remember because I don't remember anything. But um, post Chuck, before before you got Mike, th- there was kind of like that sort of interim period. I know you've covered this before, mm-hmm. uh, many times over the years. But that's such an interesting period, I think, because there's not a lot of precedent for a band that, uh, granted, okay, it wasn't like you had like a huge discography at that point. Mm-hmm. But to change up the singer, it's almost like I know, I know. That's a big pull. I agree. Man. You know, it's kind of like when you're climbing on a, on, a, on a steep mountain path. You don't want to look down because it's an ugly, it's an ugly drop. <laughs> right. Right? It was kind of that's what kind of what we were doing. It's kind of like we don't really have a choice. We kind of have to do this. So yeah. let's just keep doing what we're going to do. I think we really put the blinders on and just plowed through it. Thank fucking God, because you're yeah, right. Yeah. Looking back on it, it was really a stupid thing, and it was an almost impossible situation to come through. For sure, and it's in, it's so interesting because as a band, like I mean, you knew that's something special. You knew something that were connecting with people, but then also, yeah. it, it that's almost like the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings of uh, Faith and Wars history. It's sort of like yeah, that's cool, and that's like almost a cool standalone story on its own. Whereas mm-hmm. yeah, wait till things get cooking in the next thing because it goes deeper, gets weirder, and gets crazier. Yeah, 
and I think that uh, yeah, it's just how do you how did you even approach that? I mean, was it, were you because obviously you weren't nobody's gonna do you don't want someone's gonna do the Chuck thing, obviously. Like that would be bad, you know. Like what does that you even do mean? Not you know, it, it's you got to be really zen about it, you know. And, yeah. and it's basically you have to realize that most advice people tell you is wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> nobody really knows what you need. Yeah. And I mean, so many people have told me what I need to do that I wasn't feeling that I needed to do, and I and I haven't done it, and I've been really happy most of the time that I didn't do it. I wasn't always, sometimes I fucked up, (laughs) but most of the time on the big issues like this, right? Which was basically, you know, most people, you know, I know Chuck had said some things on like, you know, it was, it was very convenient because he was a a black singer to, you know, ship to a white singer. Like I'll tell you, you know, from my side of things, that wasn't what we were hearing. What we were hearing was what this guy's really charismatic and, uh, what are you doing? You know, bands don't come up from this. You're known with this guy. And we just like, you know, we weren't going to keep going if we just, if we kept going that way, it was just going to self-destruct. And uh, what are you going to do when you don't have any options? You just have to do, Yeah. you got to just, you got to just pull yourself up and just do it. And it might not have even have worked, but we didn't really have a choice. Yeah. I so mean, we yeah. just did it, you know, think, think about, you know, they have this, um, this thing on uh it's like a subsection of amazon that's got the uh not the eric funningson tour documentary but the dave grohl one it's on there so mm-hmm. i signed up to watch mm-hmm. it but they have this whole acdc thing that's okay. all this uh fantastic you know the oh, first right. first first episode whatever is like a bunch of like classical bon scott era stuff and you just realize mm-hmm. like, oh what a like a what a just what an iconic presence and like character this guy is as well as like a great singer and it's like what do they do it's like oh they got they got a completely different kind of singer that's a presence mm-hmm. in his own way. Right. And it's not like I'm saying Faith No More equals ACDC, but I'm just saying that's no, what, no, no. That's a no, one of the rare times right. that it works. That's you know? a tough it's tough to do it twice. Yeah. Right? With something that sticks. That's right. Lightning that's right. struck twice Super hard. guys. Yeah. I mean it's like because Patton is just such a like a force. Just like it just like an, an elemental. <laughs> you you can and you cannot compare him to the other guy. No, it's so different. So but I couldn't imagine anybody else singing Chuck's songs yeah. as well as Mike can. Like, yes. he actually kind of did it where it wasn't offensive. Like, it actually kind of worked. And that's that's not hard either because Chuck is such a wild card himself. Yeah. You know, is he, he's like Marky Smith, Chuck. You know, you can't, right. <laughs> you can't imitate him, really. Yeah, totally. Great example. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I just remember, uh, you know, I think when you first did the first set of reunion I know, 10 years ago or something along those lines, I um if I remember right for the first encore, you did like a spark song and you did We Care a Lot. And I'm like, I was like, oh, they're mm-hmm. they're doing it. That's actually legitimately surprising to me. But I was like, oh, that was good. Like that was <laughs> like that didn't seem weird or like, uh, here we go. Here, you know, here it yeah. comes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also like I was looking at it from a very cynical perspective, like, oh yes, that era. Okay. And I was like, you know, this this still kind of slams. This is this is good. This is this is maybe a little less um cultured if that's the right <laughs> term than some of the later stuff but it still it still works i mean there's a reason why i went through a period where introducing yourself that music to me was really getting me that was only a couple couple years ago that yeah. was really hitting me harder i mean i think it could have been re-recorded and played you know we were younger could i could do it better now if we all did it better now we do it in a way that had more impact but i know what they're supposed to sound like i know the songs and yeah there's something about that that's very primitive uh naive and uh pure for sure it's like the um, the caveman that gets blasted into the future and goes into space or something, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah, 
and and it seems like again because we now we live in constant present tense where people have access to all music from all time and are discovering right. all these different ways that you have people discovering that now as if it was happening right now and they and they do connect, that's true they connect with the elementals right yeah weird. very interesting <laughs> uh but they're looking at it from their context they're not looking at it from the context of whatever's around in like 85 86 or something along those lines they're that's looking right. at it from that's right 2021 and they're and they're it, it's giving giving them life and giving them joy in a certain way and meanwhile you're like wow that's like the precambian era for me but okay yeah 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 you know yeah 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 it's for sure it just seems like fan and other musician wise that's got to be interesting to have something like that early on in your career uh still have it like not just a life but its own life like almost aside from the the mid-period discography or yes anything along it, those lines it is it's something we have to live with yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it's it it's like it's a, it's a kid we had that you know it's yeah. our kid you know Whatever it grows into, it's our kid. Right. <laughs> uh, I know, uh, and and I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about Chuck, but I, I, you know, you did do the the stuff. Oh my god, I guess it was like five or six years ago at this point, right? I mean, it was, it was with him. Yeah. Was was that, yeah, that? That was like yeah, four or five years ago. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, was that was that like a uh like a cathartic thing was that like you know therapeutic was it just kind of was it fun was it awkward for, for, for everybody it was different it was a little awkward for everybody for sure for chuck for sure it was cathartic absolutely yeah. um for me it was kind of cathartic uh but the other was really good for me when we split up i mean like i said you know i knew chuck since i was a little kid so yeah we were very close. And when we ended, you know, I really, really hated the guy <laughs> and yeah. he, he probably felt the same way about me. And, and it was just really great where I didn't feel really responsible for Chuck anymore. And he didn't really have to, he didn't, we didn't have to just have this professional relationship. We could just play. It didn't really matter who came or who didn't come. And doing that in that way, I think was very good for both of us in our relationship. I think that we were cool. We could look at each other and we could laugh about things and right. it, was, it was great. <laughs> that was great. It would have been really sad. I think if that he would, he would have died and we hadn't had that, that yeah. situation. Well, it, it seemed like a nice, like epilogue, if, if nothing else. I mean, you know, ideally, you know, hopefully it wouldn't have been, but it, it was a nice way to kind of capstone that off. Cause it's sort of like that guy, whether it was by his own hand or by others, didn't really have an easy time of it. You know, like I remember no, when he when he joined Bad he Brains for like a minute and was like, "Oh, that's interesting. That actually works." And it's like, "Oh, never mind." Okay. It, he, there was a there's a depth to Chuck. There's a depth, yeah. a really really dark deep thing about him. It's that this this weight, but it's also gravitas. You know, like yeah. he's not bullshitting. Like he is this guy, that guy that you're seeing. Like that's there's something real about him, and he pays for that. He paid the price to be that guy, but he was that guy. Uh, and you got to give respect to that for sure. Do you find that in uh, the the world, <laughs> the cult of Mike that has sort of spawned up based off of his just constant, unrelenting, just Terminator like work ethic with all that all, mm -hmm. all that he does? I mm -hmm. uh, do you ever find yourself caught up in any of that, or just being like, oh my god, like it's almost like he's spoken of as like a folk legend. 
in that same way uh, amongst certain parties. And like you just you know him as the dude. You're, he's the dude that's singing the stuff. Yeah, I, I I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that fetishistic stuff. Uh, I, I I I don't I don't get off on that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't respect people that take that take the Kool Aid uh, on anything. So. And I, to tell you the truth, my interaction with Mike is he's, he's kind of the same way as me. I mean, it, he does a lot of projects, you know, he does them because he likes to do them. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the cult thing, I don't I don't think he encourages that. And and it's, I don't know, it's that's it, really it's not appetizing to me at all. I don't dig it. I, it doesn't. Not, it's it's really it's it's not my experience. I, it's yeah. something like it's kind of created itself that you can't control and don't even know what started. I don't know in the first place. Did you, so you were, you, you were familiar with Mr. Bungle before? He, I was. Right yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was. I mean, one of the wildest things to come out of a wild area. Like that's, I love humble. Like that's a bizarre, uh, and awesome neck of the woods where you kind of have to make something unique. Cause you don't really have another choice in the matter. I would say that's true. I, I did. I've never spent enough time there to really know that area, but we played the school and that's where, Trey, I remember Trey giving us the cassette tape. Nice. And he was this scrounging guy, you know, yeah. giving us this weird cassette. <laughs> I remember that really well. And um, it was like he was like the local freak, you know. I could just yeah. tell. And I like those kind of people. Um, Did he have big wizard energy music, then? Too? It, was very, it was very metal, you know. It was very, it was very heavy. And yeah. that, they went straight into Jim's bag and didn't leave. Like, that was Jim's tape. Yeah, that's <laughs> he awesome. He played it on the bus all the time. So I kind of I lost my grasp there. We, I didn't really close to those guys till after Mike came down to San Francisco and, and started singing with us. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, and what I loved, uh, and, and Trey came on the show since we talked last and when they did the, um, the demo, the raging wrath of the Easter bunny and kind of how cool it was to like have that come around and, Oh yeah. And Scott Ian and Dave Lombardo were playing on this too, which is like <laughs> deeply know, so hilarious crazy. considering so where crazy, they came from, right? you know? Dreams really do come true, people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is sort of like <laughs> you may be on the dream deferment plan, but don't give up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the and then that's a good example of someone that had like what people considered a, a defined thing for those that knew. And then like Mike sort of grew into like a, like a plant you put in a bigger pot almost. Like you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> like branched out. Try you know, try different things and like really like. It, it worked. So did you have, was it something that you kind of knew that early on or was there kind of an epiphany of like, Oh, this, this is, this is solid. This is, this is a little different, but this is really cool. Like when, when was that moment? Uh, the way we used to work was we'd get a, like a little boom box in the studio and we record music. We didn't have a singer. So we record songs and I just go home and listen to them and see what could be done better. Yeah. You know, what was good, what wasn't good. And, and I had a little four track and, um, we were, you know, checking out singers, and I remember um, I gave Mike one of those boombox tapes and just mm-hmm. said, like, see what you can come up with, you know, to these songs. And um, one was out of nowhere, and um, he came over to my house. I had this little, like, little area on the roof of my house, a little, like, shed, you know, that I lived in. He came over and, like, it's headphones good? Does it sound good? And then it's like, play the song, you know, and the first four bars just instrumental. And then he sang, and it was like, holy fuck fuck with this guy's yeah. i mean on this shitty boombox recording you know with a shitty microphone what he just made this into a song like it was that was a super epiphany moment because i always think our music is so simple right mm-hmm. so simple-minded in my mind and it's because 
I don't know, we speak a language, me and the drummer, and kind of have a language that we speak, and, and it, it's just ours. Uh, yeah. So it comes naturally to us. But I think it's really weird sometimes for other people. And and I learned that when we were looking at singers, that like they just didn't know what to do with our music. They couldn't sing over it. They couldn't write anything over it. And it was always like, ah, ah. And then Mike just did this thing in the first song, which is like, boom, out of the park. It, it could have been, we could have released it like that, you know, yeah. and it would have probably worked because it was correct. What he did was exactly what the song needed. And that was just amazing. That, that was an amazing feeling. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it really was. That's when I knew everything was going to be okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That's And like for folks that, for the younger listeners, the boom box had a condenser microphone that also slammed the input. So. <laughs> That's right. Compressor. <laughs> Built in compressor. Yeah. And it's, uh, they should, they, you know, it should be a plug-in boombox compressor, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> get get that Sebado sound. I mean, yeah. yeah, get that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or still ball bathtub, either one, both. Yeah, totally. So then, you you did you did you feel like there was something percolating around like ninety one and that neighborhood? Did did it, did it feel like things were becoming different than they were before? When you mean you're talking about after we got off our big long tour of the real thing and yeah, we had to start yeah. thinking about Angel Dust? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we left like and we came back and we were we were a popular group, but we left like with a new singer, some weird new thing, right? Yeah, you're like, trying out something you crazy. We were an unknown <laughs> thing. We actually were going went backwards. Like we kind of built up a bit of a crowd and a following with with with, with um yeah. you know, we toured with the chili peppers for three months and, and we kinda of had a thing. Uh and then, you know, when Chuck was gone, we kinda of lost a lot of that. Uh, we had to kind of go backwards. Um, so, yeah, we came back after that, and all of a sudden, you know, eighteen months later, you know, we're we're in, you know, on the cover of Spin magazine, and yeah. you know, all of our friends kind of look at us a little differently, and just it was different, you know. We had to kind of think about ourselves in responsible ways. And it's, um, I mean, a lot of times you pick up an instrument, like that's the dream. Hey, everyone likes these songs and we get to play them. How cool. But then like when mm-hmm. it actually happens, like, I mean, how did the reality of that with so much other change? How did that? Well, I mean, so there was a lot of weird things uh, in our case. Uh, one was that we were touring for 18 months. We were playing the same fucking songs for 18 <laughs> months. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really got really whatever there were good things about that record and, and Angel Dust was probably part of the reason it was such a big departure is because there were certain things that reminded us of the record before that we you're didn't like, want to revisit. You're like, no, right? no. Um, <laughs> we just didn't want to go there. We didn't we had enough. Um yeah. and then there's also the fact that well we in our case, we're these bands that like certain key influencer type people really liked us in the beginning, but the general public didn't. Oh, so yeah. we were kind of these bands that was really well respected and very really disrespected both at the same time and we nobody it's like i wish people could just figure out whether we sucked or we <laughs> loved us because i want to i need to pay rent when I, yeah, yeah, I, was gonna say, I need to figure something out i, I can't yeah. dine out on and all we didn't this know where it was going you know like <laughs> you know slash you know because roses came our show and played the roxy i think it was with the bad brains and it was completely i didn't even know they were coming man it was totally awesome they came on stage i mean what a shot in the arm but um yeah. what does that mean really you know i right, mean people right. still didn't really get what it was that we were doing we weren't really connecting with people so yeah it was really a weird time from the outside i feel like a song midlife crisis is sort of like a keystone song uh for, for that era and it's something where like it 
that pops. That's and that still pops now, you know. And that's something that mm-hmm. when you're putting that together, I mean, was what, 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 <laughs> other than do you have? Hey, let's make something cool that didn't sound like the last thing. Did you did you have any? No, no, no. That 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 actually, if you if you strip that song apart, which is a good song, that song started with the verse, which came from Roddy. Actually, Roddy wrote the verse in the chorus in the keyboards. You know, if you take away any kind of rhythm section of guitars, and mm-hmm. and it's very similar to to Out of Nowhere. Um, the pad chords that follow a certain thing. Yeah, yeah. Almost. I mean, I think that you know how the how the drums came in, changed it, and my I decided I was going to play only one note through the whole song. I was kind of like doing an anti rock thing. Was like, like, <laughs> I wasn't, like, wasn't going to change notes. I'm just going to play a one note right. bass song, and it's, and it's going to work. Like Noi or uh, uh, like Kraut Rock kind of style or something. Yeah, you know, I, I thought of it more like a from a, like more like a Van Halen baseline, but but oh, I didn't want to sure. change yeah. notes. I just didn't want to change notes, and and I remember yeah. Matt Wallace was looking at us like, "You're such a dick. Like, <laughs> why, why why don't you play some notes? You know, nope, this is how it is." And but but I think that that's kind of one of those things that when they all put all the mix together, that was made it kind of different. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, well, and it's a unique song. I mean, and it's like that's it, it is. It's a unique era of the band as well just to take from the, the larger scope of things but you think like there wasn't a whole hell of a lot that sounded like that when when that record came out no no there wasn't and, and it was really different than our previous stuff so people like why are you blowing it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why are you fighting success yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know people said that all the fucking time man it's like we're just trying to do something good yeah right uh, well, I, and there's and there's a lot of you know cool things, uh, and you guys were clearly doing some things just for yourself. Like you know, I love that you know yeah. it, it ends it with like the the um, like Midnight Cowboy. Like that's 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 great. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's a beautiful song, it's a wonderful I mean, right? song, right? Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why would, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, in stuff, stuff is still copacetic at that time like with jim and everything like everyone's kind of on board or you're starting to see the cracks start to show yeah cracks were showing cracks were showing um they were i mean you know we were all pretty tired after that uh big long 18 months but you know the way it was told to us was like guys you're up right now you're there like you need to get back in the studio that you need to capitalize on this and I, i think that basically the record company and our manager was thinking like Somehow these weird guys ended up you know, hitting a home run here. You know, we don't really know how, but they, they have yeah. a better chance of hitting another one now, right? Yeah. Who knows if this is ever going to happen again? And so, you know, we were kind of putting that, and I think that um, we were tired. We knew some things we didn't want to do coming off the road, and we are tired of each other, personally, um, for sure. And, you know, the music, like, I mean, I wanted to kind of, that rock thing, like, I felt like it was getting kind of like, I don't know, a little overplayed. It just was getting less interesting. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of, wanted to get into some new interesting places. And, and Jim was kind of like pretty happy with the thing that we built. And and, and, and then nothing wrong with, with him seeing it differently than the way we saw it. Um, right. But the fact is we had to come up with something and something had to give. And, you know, it kind of went to where the majority wanted to go. And he, he definitely didn't like that and and i wouldn't either if i was jim but um but <laughs> right, something had yeah. to happen and you know Something's the majority changed. ruled and, and the majority got what they wanted 
So after the, the problem was that, that after when you go a place like that and you, you're not all fighting together, the kind of the bond kind of you know shatters really, and it's just a matter of time, I think. Yeah, and and I think that's you know I don't want to belabor the point too much. I think that's been pretty accurate. No, no, it's, over it's the fine. Years. But like it's also you know I, I just think about the fact that I didn't know who the fuck the Commodores were before you guys played Easy. Really? Yeah, How no, I didn't. You? I, I'm going to be 44 in December for whatever reason. Oh my God. I know. Before, I mean, that happens. It happens. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, too. I just kind of missed that everybody knows. I mean, I, get it. I, I started working at Tower Records in Berkeley in like 95. And then, like, so I oh. knew I, like, within the space of like three months, I learned about everything. Like people with Wikipedia articles today. But at the time, I was, I was like, oh, what? That's, that's, an, oh, weird that they did a ballad. They're like, yeah, I love that, that Lionel Richie song. I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> Oh, oh, cool. okay, right on. So, I mean, but it, that's something that it struck me that, like, a lot of bands that would be, like, you know, considered your peers at that time, they wouldn't do something so adventurous. Never would do something like that. Yeah. But we looked at it really the opposite. I mean, we were looking at, at like, have as much creative freedom as possible in yeah. this in this industry that, you know, it's going to it's gonna personify you anyway. It's going to typecast you, but create as much a big yard as you can to play in. and right. And... I mean, a lot of that you doing easy was coming off the heels of War Pigs, where everybody started. You start playing shows. Everybody's like, "One of your War Pigs," like it was right. our song, you know. <laughs> yeah, like- and the, the fact is, when we started doing War Pigs, it was not cool at all. It was, yeah. you know, we were playing punk shows doing War Pigs. So, and that just all of a sudden became cool, and it got became too cool. And it in in we were at a bar somewhere, and and Easy was on the thing. And I remember, I think Mike Patton. I just looked at them. We both have the same light bulb. Same like, we gotta do this. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. We gotta buy ourselves some breathing room, man. Right, right. And it, did. it did. We never looked back on that. I never ever regretted choosing that song. And I tell you, if we would have failed, you know, at least we went down fighting. You know, yeah, that was yeah. a good way to fail. I, it's, a, it's. A, I mean, I'm it's, totally proud of that. It's a great cover, you know, because it sounds like if you know the band, it sounds like you guys. It's not like it sounds like oh, we're gonna we're switching it up to do this no it sounds like you guys yeah, it's just yeah. the least expected thing that you could think of to a certain degree and i loved it for that when, especially once i understood it yeah well I mean, we're very idiosyncratic so however we play anything it's going to sound like us yeah. really we don't really know how to do anything else so that's what that's another thing also like you said like in a way it's it's we didn't really just try to sound exactly like Lionel richie and that, that that's something to that too i i, I think Last time you and I know we talked about Mel Cult and uh, and yeah. actually I'm having um, I've having, I'm having Mike Moraski on again to kind of do a part All two right. for the last cool. time, uh, but he told a story years ago uh, before this show about a time when they were on tour with you guys, mm-hmm. where uh, they did their very excellent cover of Surrender, <laughs> and they did their very excellent cover of Paranoid. And then their very excellent cover of Surrender, <laughs> and then their very excellent cover of Paranoid, and so on and so on, uh, that un- unfurled to me what I can only describe as a uh, kind of a long visual picture slash comedy bit that ends like the aristocrats. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, do you, do you, do you know the do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know the, the, the oh, show yeah. that I'm talking about? Can you can you give me your side of it? Because I've never heard of the Faith and War side. So, um, I remember that they were doing that song. But I remember is Louisville, Kentucky was the last show of the tour, and I think that the whole set they did was Surrender. Yeah. And people <laughs> didn't know Steelful Bathtub were, and they were not <laughs> digging it at all. And I think I'm pretty sure. 
I know he did it, but I think that when we came out and it was I turned to play and say like, thank God that fucking band is over. Yeah. We went on stage and we played Surrender. <laughs> and at the end, so they, we did an encore with them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you guys like, played it, it again. It was a yeah. Surrender encore. On our side. That's all we did was Surrender. And by then, everybody was just like, ah, you know, shoot me, fine, you know. <laughs> They were drunk by then. It was right, great. Exactly. And, and and Mike also said that I guess like there's some couple people came to show that like you know I've been waiting to see Steel Pole Bathtub for four years, and he was like, oh, it's like, it's like yeah, but later on they probably realize what, how special and ridiculous that was because that's a, that's a great moment in weird rock history for me. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. <laughs> I remember just crying when they were doing that. Uh, so then, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. We've talked about this a little bit, uh, and I've gotten, you know, sort of the, the, the Trey side of it, like him kind of coming mm-hmm. in to the band and providing some big wizard energy with uh, with his Trey mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And in- interesting record. Again, not quite like the, what came before it, but, you no, know. No, no. You're, again, in a situation where you've got something so solid, but there's so much kind of floating around and and, and satellites, you know, orbiting around and things along those lines that did it feel like, oh, we're missing something at this moment in time? Or is it something where it's like, hey, this is a neat collaboration. Cool. Let's try this and see what see what shakes out when you started with that record. Okay, I don't know exactly. I cannot quite understand what you mean by that. You might so, have to explain it a little bit. Okay, so th- so I don't want to read into what you're saying. I want to understand what. No, you're... no, no, sure. That was super vague and 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 uh, um, uh, weird. So and, and don't uh, feel free about offending me either. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just say yeah, okay. I, I'm like you. You have uh, a solid unit for the band, and that yeah. changes. And you're at a time where you're like you're kind of wanting to do different stuff anyway. So you bring in someone as an outside party, and maybe there's right, some right. misunderstanding okay. of like, hey, is this going to be a permanent thing? Is this just for like, hey, right. let's write some that's songs? Right. Yeah. I mean, it that's an interesting record. I mean, just like you know, get out from from the from the jump. It's sort of like almost mm-hmm. confrontational in its in its, yeah. its creativity. Yeah. Uh, so, what what are your thoughts on the making of that record and like where the band was at the time? Which which is sort of like you're still like you got this profile, you have these fans, and you make King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime, which is some people's favorite record, and some people did not feel that way. Um, I mean, this band to me is kind of like an acid trip. It's a big <laughs> long acid trip, like. You take it in the beginning, it's one thing, and it turns into something else, and you really don't know where it's going to go, and you really, the more you try to control it, the more it works against you. So right. I've always kind of seen all these different stages I found myself in of this band that um, not all of them were pleasant, but they were kind of part of the story, you know, and you kind of have to live them, and you kind of have to, like, do what you would do in that situation. And, and like, King for a Day... You know, there was a lot of pent frustration that I had. I think we all had because the gym thing was just really, we went through the whole touring with, with Angel Dust. And by the time we were over it, there was just something we wanted that that wasn't gym. Maybe. <laughs> you know, whatever that oh, was. Wow, totally. And that's just yeah. what we were feeling. And and, and again, I, I don't, I really, I mean, I'm not trying to tell the fifth and more story according to, to Billy Gould. Like I'm just trying to kind of, but I do have to tell my perspective, you know, and, and, we kind of just wanted, we wanted a release. We wanted to look at things different. We wanted to sound different. That's why we didn't kind of didn't go with Matt Wallace on that one. We wanted right. like, just like, 
who are we, but through a different lens, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. we want to discover ourselves, how somebody else would look at us, not how we are always defining how we see ourselves. And, and we wanted to find out what that was. And, and, and Trey, um, Trey's like one of these people who can pretty much, I mean, can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's amazing like that. And not in a way, in a self-conscious way where he draws attention to himself. He just could like, he kind of has this intuition of like what needs to be done and he could do it, you know? And, and, and it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, but we, you know, we, we don't communicate well with each other. We don't, uh, we just kind of like when things are dysfunctional, we, they kind of tend to continue until something breaks. And um, we do that over and over again. It's just, it's not going to change. And believe me, <laughs> I try to do th things on my own that try to change it. It's just the way we are as, 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 a, yeah. as a collective unit. There's just, just, this is just what you're going to get. And, um, you know, um, I love that record when we did it. I really yeah. liked it. I, I liked it. I, I knew it was different, but it's like we all really making that record. We did the best we could. Like it, we, we really, for what we had and what the call we did and Roddy was a little distant there, but um, we were, we were good. Um, we, we felt like what we had when we delivered it, when we had like Warner brothers guys came to the studio to hear the final mixes, like we were, our feet were on the ground. I don't think it got very well supported and I don't think that, um, and maybe there's a reason is because maybe it really didn't connect with people at the time that much. I don't, I think a lot of people, we did, I remember doing interviews and people going like, Hey, so a new King for a day record. What the hell happened there? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of that. And that you know, the, the, the most bizarre thing is, you know, and this is like so fucking typical of this fucking band. It's like, you know, ten years later, all these bands are like, "This was the the record that changed yeah. my life." It's like, where the fuck were you? <laughs> I wish I well, I would have met one or two of you back yeah, then. Yeah, not, not when it came out. Not better. when it came out. Yeah. Well, and and I'm you know again, like I said, I worked at Tower Records at the time. I remember you got nominated for a Bammy, uh, mm -hmm. which is hilarious. I'm not even going to try to describe what that is because nobody cares at this point. But like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like you know, local it, award. Yeah, yeah. there's some hilarious local award from from a free magazine. I guess that wasn't that hard yeah. now that I say it aloud. But you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, and it seemed like, you know, again, like it it seemed like it sold fine to me. But then I know then from perspective of like the of what like the record label wanted or expected, it, it wasn't. It didn't do the numbers. Like there there wasn't a like a gigantor hit on it or something along those lines. And yeah, there, I mean, that was the peak of the music business, I would say. Yeah. So that record, I believe, went gold. And back in those days, gold was like a failure. Like <laughs> people, labels are making so much money off of selling music that yeah. if, you, if you weren't selling a million right out of the gate, you weren't shit. Like it wasn't worth their resources, right. you know, <laughs> that's how it was. So there were bands getting signed that were interesting ish, like Soundgarden was signed. Yeah. They were interesting bands. I think, you know, but all surfers, but all surfers had a radio hit around that time. Like there were things getting over the net, but, but they were, you know, there still was this, this, this system we were in this Warner brothers system that, that really was selling mega, mega records of really big artists. And that's where they were yeah. paying their bills with. And 
you know, like everybody warns you, don't go on a major, you're going to be lost in the shuffle. And like, and we always were kind of like, yeah, well, I'd like to see that for myself, you know, rather than have somebody tell me that. Right. Well, you know, that's that's kind of a lot of that happened too. <laughs> and then you did. <laughs> and then I did. I saw it for myself. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, don't put your finger in that light socket. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, I do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that's, you know, and, and again, like, it's almost like the, the album art sort of tells you a little bit of what's going on. You got a, you know, a fierce, ferocious looking dog on the cover. Like, ah, you know, it's, it's sort of, <laughs> it's a little combative, but in a very yeah. joyful way. And in a way that I think it's actually, I think that album's aged pretty well. And again, if, I mean, if you look at it now, the artwork and the record worked well together, the music, yeah, right? Absolutely. See, it works. Yeah. It actually kind of is. I mean, that, and that's, that's how it felt. Yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that it aged well. I mean, yeah. I think I kind of think it did. I'm really happy with that record. I revisited was, them all recently, and I was, I was like, wow, this 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 slams. This is this is very good. This this is a great record. Yeah. And not like I ever. I mean, I always liked it, but it's just one of the, some stuff. Some stuff seems very tied to the time sometimes, and sometimes yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, it yeah, doesn't. Sure. And it, it just struck me that it didn't seem tied to that time at all to me, mm-hmm. from my perspective. Of course, you'll never uh, you know be a platinum selling artist going by what Conan Neutron wants, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, okay, so 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 album of the year. First of mm-hmm. all, uh, considering where the where the band was at the time, I mean, it, there yeah. has to be some degree of humor uh, w- w- with the title, right? <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And then uh, everything else going around that time, like at that time, Roddy's kind of uh, has spun up Imperial Teen. You know, yeah, people were all kind of focusing on their own projects at that yeah. point. Everybody was actually, except me, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, don't I mean, be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun. But then it's you know it, that, that that record's got that record has just like all of them has its uh, I think they call them stands now, but it has it has its ardent fans. It's not like it's a hey y'all let's you know slap on a fake smile and go through this one more time kind of record at all. No, no. No, it is not. It's pretty intense. It wasn't. It wasn't that record to make. Yeah, I connect with that one a lot because I really felt like I lived to that thing. Yeah. And it wasn't all happy and it wasn't all upbeat. It was just kind of a, had a lot of dark points about it. But but those I've connected to those dark points. So I'm I'm not probably the right guy to ask because I that's I I feel connected. You know. But I, but if I do look back, I mean, like there's songs like Ashes to Ashes that that, that stood yeah. up to I think anything else we've ever oh, done. Definitely. Drip Search Two is yeah. great. Drip Search um, Rules. Yeah. You know, helpless I kind of like I think that that has some great things to it too like and I think that the, we did kind of go into some new areas with that and there was a new vibe there's a really different vibe on that one than the other ones a really weighty kind of dark yeah it's something that, that, that no it's it's like uh it's just what it is it's a de- it's a it's, it's an old scotch you know a peaty scotch that record yeah uh, like I think it's overused when describing movies but I think it's appropriate here it's almost melancholy in its Very way. much so. You know, yes. it's a it's a melancholy big rock record. <laughs> it's in its way, and, and it's it a funeral record because yeah. we knew we were dying, and we absolutely did. And we decided to, to score our own funeral, and we actually did that. We went out wearing black suits for that very reason because yeah. we were, you know, we were burying ourselves at that time. That's how we thought we saw it. We intentionally did that. I mean, did did you did it just feel like at the time like there's. You know, everyone's running around doing stuff. There's nowhere else to go. You know, like this is this is just 
we're going to do a cool thing and then that's that's going to be the end of it? Or was there still some kind of like, well, I guess we could dot, dot, dot kind of sentiment? There was a lot of everything. There was some of that. There's some of that. I mean, I kind of preferred the definitive approach because it's like when you're in a relationship that doesn't work anymore, you know? Yeah. It's just like break the fucking thing off for fuck's sake. Okay. Hey, let's try swinging. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, move on. I mean, not, and that, 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 I mean, move on like, it's not a nice, it's not not a painful thing but like right. try not to torture yourself if you don't have to you know it's not all your fault and it's not all their fault i mean this is just a, this is just that period of time that you all have to live through yeah and and it's something where but the records still stand up again aside from all that yeah 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 yeah, 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 on, yeah, yeah right? fair enough you know yeah. and uh and again they you know whether you can make all say it could be specifically because of the quality or it could be because you guys kind of got in before the world changed. I mean, Napster, it started off with Napster, of course, and then mm-hmm. like other file sharing and stuff like that. And then music mm-hmm. as a commodity kind of became a uh, an outmoded concept. And then there was suddenly instant availability of everything, which also has to do with people right. being able to discover right. these previous mm-hmm. things that maybe weren't around when the band even like first That's true. started. That's true. And that also move forward with streaming and, and whatnot. And that's slightly different, of course, but, uh, you know, it just occurs to me that like the break between album of the year and soul Invictus, it's like a child conceived when, uh, album of the year came out would, 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 you know, be able to do not everything, but quite a few things by the time soul Invictus, uh, came out. Like that's that big of a break. Exactly. That's true. So actually he'd be driving a car. Yeah. He'd at least be driving and yeah. conscripted by the military. I think you wouldn't non-California wouldn't be able to drink, but, uh, anyway, no, <laughs> Wisconsin, definitely. But <laughs> you can drink at 18 in Wisconsin. I, you know, I, don't, I don't even, I shouldn't say that. I'm just, okay. I just, I just like to joke about the casual alcoholism of this state. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a real laugh riot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, Th- this is even better. Billy, you're going to love this. Under Wisconsin law, those who are 18 to 20 can legally drink with a parent, guardian, or spouse that's of legal drinking age. So there you go. As long as your parents are with you, you know. <laughs> On Wisconsin. <laughs> Okay, so okay, so, so now we've all learned a little something from the show. Uh, I, I actually did know that I was literally just making a joke of Wisconsin's expense for no real good reason, but that that's actually even funnier than the than, than what I thought it was. So reconvening, like for, for mm-hmm. the first time, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, was it just sort of like, ah, why the hell not? Okay, let's 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 do this. And, and I'm trying to remember. God, when when did when were you playing at the Guantanamo School of Medicine? Because I saw you at the uh, that was right before the Cherry Bar. Was it? It was. Yeah. It wasn't the Covered Wagon anymore, but it was like the Cherry Bar at that point. I think. And it was covered. Yeah, was, yeah, but it was called the Covered Wagon. It, it might have changed. It might have changed over yeah, then. because they changed. that was around that time when I did that gig was when Faith and Morris decided we were going to probably start doing shows. Yeah. And I left the band right after that. That's right. And uh, and it was a great show. That, that was that was awesome. Uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I remember it all happened very very quickly. And Shell was like, "Well, I guess Billy's playing with Faith no more again," and <laughs> <laughs> delivered in that in that same way. Of the, yes, you yes. know, in that, <laughs> I, you know, I I, I loved playing in that band. I loved those guys in that band. Yeah. That was a really good time. But I, you know, what are you gonna do? I mean, yeah. I I I, I thought that for me because I felt such a part of Faith No More. Like, that was kind of something that was really 
I needed to try to connect to if there was something there, you know. And, and it struck me you guys approach it from a real clear-eyed sort of way of, of, of the way you want to be for that band and the way you want to present the music. You can't do that for forever. You just can't. Like, you can't be, like, you know, having a rocker. <laughs> like and and rocking, you know. I mean, I guess like whatever. There is a, a Axl Rose on the Game of Thrones throne or whatever, and I get. I guess there's sure if you want to go like the absurdist route, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it kind of struck me as a bold move to sort of like, well, you know, were you considering that like just uh, all right? Let's see what happens, or like, hey, let's do a different capstone, or fuck it, let's just try to make some music. I like these guys. Oh, I'm making that record. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my biggest frustration with the band when we split up after album of the year is I felt like I still had a lot more in me. And right. and and I thought we all did because we have, you know, I learned how to really, I mean, I played with the drummer since I was 18 years old. You know, that's, I grew up with these guys and, and, and it was like that expressing myself with them is really what I knew. So I really felt like there was more there. And I'm just, I don't think everybody really was completely totally sold on that idea but we got through that and yeah. i think that at the end of it we were all got what we wanted we were all happy with it and we just did it you know it was it was a real for for a bunch of guys who don't really talk to each other they're they're really we're really kind of fearless when it comes to putting out something it's kind of off the mark but amongst yeah. each other we really don't talk in a lot of ways <laughs> we do a little better now than we used to um right but um so it took longer than it needed to. It was a painful process, but we got through it, and it was okay. No, I, I, I like I like that record. I, I think, think it's that a record's good, record. good. Absolutely, and I think that. And again, haven't seen you guys play. I think it was at the Warfield, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, Neil Neil Hamburger opened. How could I forget about that? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, and it just occurred to me that, like, you know, sometimes I'm not going to name any names. Sometimes you see bands that reunite, and you're like, all right, get that money, go ahead. But like yeah. they, they don't, it doesn't hit the same way, or it just doesn't feel like maybe everybody wants to be there, and it just it never felt that way with you guys. It was like, oh, everyone's very for whatever whatever their reasons or rationale, how they got from point A to point B, they want to be here right now, and that's awesome. I'd say that's true. I would say that's true. I mean, our our, our music's pretty challenging actually physically to do. Yeah. Um. So you got to kind of want to do it. I mean, it's it's just it's really like that's the only way you're going to make it through like a tour. Like, is you got to be like really thinking about doing that and doing it well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's like going, you know, I really feel like it's like a really boxing match. It's like if, if you don't go into there with that mentality, you're going to get your ass kicked. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I'm going into this, we're going into these shows coming up, like kind of with a little bit of fear of God, you know, which is yeah. healthy because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be prepared to fight, you know, and, and, and you really kind of have to, this band has to be that way. So I, I'm, I, people also like, wow, oh my God, you're getting back together. Oh, you know, just like everybody's doing that now. You know, we had to hear that. I mean, what's that, that show, Portlandia? They wanted to do something about us, you know, uh, you know, reuniting. And there's two different versions of Faith and Mars. Like, that's just, I'm so not into that. Like, yeah, it's so not, it's so not, I mean, it's funny, haha, funny, but it's, uh, you know, like, we're going to do this fucking thing, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to fucking do it. And and that's, that's, I'm really happy that we all feel that way because I, I think that I, I think we've done good work. I, I mean, I think part of that's just also the the Gen X humor of applying something that is of your generation to something else. I mean, think back to like I love the band The Sweet, right? But at mm-hmm. one point there yeah. was a version that was the guitar player's version and a version that was mm-hmm. the bass player's version, 
both mm-hmm. touring in different areas at different times. And that's like spinal tap level absurdity. As For much sure. as as much as it doesn't change my enjoyment of listening to like, you know, action or like Fox on the Run or something, like, oh, those songs still slam. It is ridiculous. And but that doesn't it doesn't seem like there, there are certain bands I would nominate, but it didn't seem like Faith No More ever, like, I, I never felt that from the outside. That seems ill-fitting. That seems like an ill-fitting suit to put on the band. Yeah. I mean, we're we're way dysfunctional. I mean, and we've always been. Right. <laughs> it's like, that I'm not going to deny that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but I think when it comes to doing the gig, like, we're we're, we're good. I, I'm really grateful that we're, we're not like that. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, and you just out of the gate you know, motherfucker as like the first song is this sort of like, okay, here's a statement of intent. Suckers. Here we go. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know? Statement of intent. That's right. That's right. Like, yeah. and, and it's fun. It's fun. There's a certain self-awareness to it, but it's not crippling self-awareness. Like it's, I, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of, of bands reconvening and there's certainly a uh, precedent for it. I mean, I think mission of Burma put out more records and were around longer the second time than they were when they were first. Mm-hmm. Around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it 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 wasn't like you guys were struggling to find things to say, and I think that that's no. that's nice. You know, and it's like it is. And for people that just like, hey, this is this is a closed circuit for me. I have the records I like, and that's it. Well, that's fine. You get to you get to have that, but you know, th- that's all boring. I mean, there's no rules. There's no rules in life. You know, there's no rules in anything. You know, nobody knows everything and how everything is supposed to work. Right. You know, you, you you got what you got. You you, you find fun and where you're going to find it and. You know, I mean, we can talk about it now because it's our group and how we how we did this thing. And, you know, all these other bands were reunited. You know, it's like, well, I'm not all those other bands. I'm just me and I want to play music and this is how it's going to be. And yeah. Sometimes you can overthink things, you know, basically sometimes fuck the rules and just, you just, just gonna, you know, fuck it. I've done so many wrong things, you know, I'm alive and I'm healthy right now. So. I, and I just think, you know. What are you going to do? You, you ha- And you have. I think you guys have a good beat on what the people that like the band like. I mean, I just think for the fact that like that the yeah. the song I just invoked, if I remember, right, I think it did a a premiere on like Marvel.com, which I was like, hell yeah, that's aw- <laughs> that's awesome. As a lifelong comic that's book right. fan, you know, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I was like, that's great. <laughs> that's totally awesome. Like, like I forgot what, about that. What a strange but cool like left field thing to like to throw at people, and and that's that's yeah. awesome. It is, it, you know, it, it's something where. I think that kind of uh, madcap antics, but done seriously, do shine through. And, and, and you know, I don't know what does that matter uh, in in the longer sense of things and longer timeline or whatever. Well, to some people, maybe it doesn't. But I think for the people, it does it matters a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. And anyway, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. <laughs> it's it's it actually you know it really all probably doesn't matter in the end, but right. But this is what it is. So do so do you think that's it? Like, is there going to be more uh, more stuff? I mean, obviously, there's live shows. I, I actually fingers crossed, have no. But... I have no idea. I yeah. as I tell you this now, I really don't know. I mean, but I think these I think these shows will be good, and I think these shows, you know, everything comes from something, and everything turns into something else. So we'll see. I know the other day. We're gonna, I mean, we're going to go to Australia. We're gonna, supposed yeah. to go there. We're going to tour in Europe next summer. We had we booked those shows. I mean, they were all supposed to obviously be one longer tour, you know, right, that right. went from one into another, and you know, COVID fucked that up. But, but um, we're going to do that. You know, we're committed to do that. I, I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's some pretty cool opportunities to to, to do some cool stuff right sure, now. Sure. Yeah. 
I mean, all you gotta do is get Bruce Dickinson to fly you around all these different places, you know? And then you're <laughs> be ready. I love that that dude flies planes. That's hilarious. Have you seen that 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 movie, the Flight Six Six? I did. I liked it. That yeah. was a great movie. I, that was cool. That that was. I like those guys. I thought it was. I thought it was awesome and ridiculous in the best possible way. But also like really kind of neat to see. Oh, they play at all these places that like never has seen them play and stuff. And like it made such a big deal to the fans. Like that's totally all that stuff totally. matters. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so you got, you know, it, it, you think it's a never say never thing for another record? I'm honestly not thinking about it. Just okay, all right. Fair and I, and I, and I, I don't have a horse. I, you know, even though I'm in that band, I'm, I don't have a horse in the race right. on that. I, right. I want to get. I want to do these shows, and I, I want to focus on the shows, and I want to do. I want them to be really good. I want you to be able and to do the shows too. <laughs> I'm just that's where I'm at. Nothing more. I'm completely content to be there. Awesome. We'll see. Well, I can't remember if we did this last time. And and, and Billy, thanks so much for coming back in the show and talking to me. It's a, sure, it's a pleasure. Sure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I can't remember if we did this last time. And even if we did, it's been a while. There's a bunch of new listeners to the show, and it's a relatively timeless question. I kind of like when it, you know, sometimes the answers change. But can question, only can question I ever ask anybody. Interpret it however you like. But why do you do what you do? Because I suck at everything else. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Sir, thank you so much. All right, man. Thanks for having Appreciate me. And uh, so we're going to see you on this little run we're going to uh, do? I, I certainly hope so. I'll do. I'll do everything okay. in my power to make sure it happens. It turns out my schedule is right, pretty man. clear. So I'll bring the flask. You can, you can yeah, bring your man. friend and we'll have a little... Uh, We'll get together. Well, Sustanic. Have, have, have some. Uh, have some rocky. I'm, I'm. I'm way down. I'm way down. As they say. As the kids, I assume say. All right, man. <laughs> cool. All right, well, brother. Thanks. Talk to you soon, man. All right, later. Take care. Yeah, there he goes, Mr. Billy Gould. Faith no more. Talking book, milk cult, all kinds of stuff. Awesome dude. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, hey. Let's hear a couple tunes.
Get out. Not not this podcast. That's the name of the song. Uh, <laughs> as you know. Probably. And if not, now you do. And before that, we had Midlife Crisis. Uh, to those by Faith No More. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That's, uh, I feel like I didn't ask nearly much about Faith No More last time. And it, it, it kind of... I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it bothered me, but it's definitely something I feel like I'm leaving a lot on the table. And and, and if you want to hear about Billy uh, joining up with Wayne Kramer for the MC50 and a surprising amount about Mel Cult, <laughs> you can tune into that episode. Uh, Billy Gold, what the light, right? What a cool guy. I like that guy. Cool Arrow is the name of the label. Also, check it out. Lots of fantastic stuff in there. Check out uh, this un- <laughs> young and unknown band called Faith No More when they come to your town because those those shows are happening. I'm very excited for that. Uh. Hey, listen, the name of the show is Kona New Trump's Protonic Reversal. This show airs live Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on RadioNope.com. Archives are at Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. ProtonicReversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you like the show and you want to get episodes sooner, $1 a month at patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal will achieve that goal for you. It also helps support the show. Speaking of supporting the show... Thanks for everyone uh, sharing the episodes around, be it YouTube, podcast, whatever, whatever people grable their way through <laughs> on things. It's, it's always appreciated how people find out about it. iTunes reviews, but only if they're five stars, and everything else. It's, it's appreciated. And I guess, above all, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. See?